Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing our walk through the uh, book of Isaiah, and today we are in chapter 33, which is a, a prayer and a song. It's a prayer for deliverance, where God, where the people of God are praying for deliverance from their enemies, the Assyrians at this point, and we will see where this goes. So we're in chapter 33, assorted verses. What sorrow awaits you, Assyrians, who have destroyed others but have never been destroyed yourselves? You betray others, but you have never been betrayed. When you are done destroying, you will be destroyed. When you are done betraying, you will be betrayed. But Lord, be merciful to us, for we have waited for you. Be our strong arm each day and our salvation in times of trouble. But the Lord says, Now I will stand up. Now I will show my power and might. You Assyrians produce nothing but dry grass and stubble. Your own breath will turn to fire and consume you. The people will be burned up completely like thorn bushes, cut down and tossed in a fire. Listen to what I have done, you nations far away, and you that are near, acknowledge my might. The sinners in Jerusalem shake with fear. Terror seizes the godless. Who can live with this devouring fire, they cry? Who can survive this all-consuming fire? Those who are honest and fair, who refuse to profit by fraud, who stay away from the bribe, from bribes, who refuse to listen to those who plot murder, who shut their eyes to all enticement to do wrong. These are the ones who will dwell on high. The rocks of the mountains will be their fortress. Food will be supplied to them, and they will have water in abundance. Your eyes will see the king in all his splendor, and you will see a land that stretches into the distance. You will think back to this, this time of terror, asking, where are the Syrian officers who counted our towers? Where are the bookkeepers who recorded the plunder taken from our fallen city? You will no longer see these fierce, violent people with their strange, unknown language. Instead, you will see Zion as a place of holy festivals. You will see Jerusalem, a city quiet and secure. It will be like a tent whose ropes are taut and whose stakes are firmly fixed. The Lord will be our mighty one. He will be like a wide river of protection that no enemy can cross, that no enemy ship can sail upon. For the Lord is our judge, our lawgiver, and our king. He will care for us and save us. The enemy's sails hang loose on broken masts with useless tackle. Their treasure will be divided by the people of God. Even the lame will take their share. The people of Israel will no longer say, We are sick and helpless, for the Lord will forgive their sins. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the people of God are, are praying for deliverance from Assyria. Um, best guess here is most scholars think that this is a prayer and song that takes place during the time of Hezekiah's revolt against Assyria. So we started the book with King Ahaz. Hezekiah is a son. Uh, Hezekiah is leading this time. He's a, uh, as kings go in Judah, he's one of the few righteous kings. And uh, there's this time where they're under Assyria's domination and they choose to revolt under Hezekiah. And so now they're living in fear and anxiety of this uh, coming invasion. And, and that this song is that constructed uh, during this time. And so the people are praying to God. They're calling out to God for deliverance. And God responds by saying that God will deliver them. He's going to actually even use the fire from the mouth of the Assyrians to burn. They'll be consumed by their own fire in some way, that God's going to ignite that fire and, and, and cause it to, to consume the armies that come in. But the thing I find really interesting here is that God not only promises to 
deliver them from Assyria. He promises to deliver them from themselves because there's this warning that goes out then to Jerusalem uh, as they're saying, well, who can survive this? And he's saying, well, those who follow the ways of God, who do not take bribes, who do not, you know, uh, uh, punish the innocent, do all these different things that violate justice, those who don't just advance their own causes. Uh, these are the people who will be placed on high and, and will be protected from this judgment. But I find this is interesting that when people call for judgment, they don't necessarily recognize that when God shows up, it's not just that God is just going to just judge your enemies. God's going to judge everyone, including themselves. And so they have to be ready to face that kind of judgment, that God's not like he's not going to play favorites in essence, that everyone will fall under the same kind of judgment. And I don't know if that if people genuinely, generally recognize that, that when they're calling for God to get involved, they don't necessarily know what they're asking, that there's this kind of uh, reckoning that's taking place here that uh, when... I. I you're asking, and in some ways, you're asking for more than you perhaps want. Uh, a conversation we were, I was having today with some people uh, yesterday and uh, some of the people in the, the Cambridge congregation, we were talking about uh, someone asked the question, like, what's your least favorite fruit of the spirit? Which is kind of a funny uh, question to ask uh, because we should, we should like them all. But uh, my response was that patience is my least favorite fruit of the spirit because that's the one that I... Uh, chafe most against developing. I know that if I pray for patience, God's going to give me situations to uh, to learn how to be patient. Uh, be patient. Yeah, God will give me patience, but by putting me in situations where I'm going to need a lot of patience, which in some ways is precisely the thing that I was trying to get out of uh, in the first place. And so that kind of sparked a discussion we were talking about uh, in uh, with the different fruit of the Spirit, different ways that we might not want to uh, develop some of the things that God actually would want to develop in us. But in here, uh, the people of Jerusalem, the, the people of uh, the Southern Kingdom, the people of, well, it's says Israel here, and this is again where this is confusing. Sometimes Israel is used to refer to the northern kingdom. Sometimes it's at this point, it's just the southern kingdom. So Israel is referring to the southern kingdom. But in any case, um, they're they're praying for praying for God's intervention. They don't know what that involves. But in the midst of that, there is this promise that, you know, when God's judgment comes, there is refuge in the judgment of God, that 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 God is actually inviting us to uh, take refuge in God, that we don't have to uh, face this kind of judgment. We just need to be willing to abandon the ways that are contrary to God. We need to be, um, you know, kind of like we've often referred to Psalm 139. We need to have that attitude of saying, you know, search me, God, see if there's an offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I don't want you to just make life easy for me, but rather I'm calling, when I call for God to be involved, I'm really, what I'm really calling for is for God to help me to follow God more closely. And if that's not what I really want, then it's really dangerous to pray for God's intervention. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering what you see here in this passage, and especially this uh, desire for God, uh, this unwitting desire that we have sometimes to get God involved in situations that maybe we're not so uh, clear about. Well, you know, I'm actually going to be talking a lot about that in a couple of weeks, because as we're going through this Apostles' Creed series, the next sermon that I'm scheduled to preach is about uh Jesus judging the living and the dead. Um, and of course, we hear that and we think, yeesh, judgment, uh-oh, right? That's a dirty word. And yet the, the reason it's in the creed and the reason that, you know, as we look and we see it so many times in the scriptures, including here, uh, they actually, the, the people of, of the, of the who, who knew God, the ancients, they, they actually longed for this. They thought this was good news, 
Mm-hmm. Right? This isn't something you're embarrassed about or to run from. No, this is actually a great thing. The Lord is our judge, our lawgiver, and our king. He's not saying, yeah, well, he's our judge, but, you know. No, no, they're like, this is their, their salvation is that the Lord is going to do the judging. And so we're going to talk much more about that in a couple of weeks because I, I think that actually, if we understand it properly, this is, this is a wonderful thing. Uh, but again, I'm going to save that for two weeks because I'll talk for a long time then. Um, yesterday, I, I preached about hell. And as part of that, you know, I, as you and I both do, we, we end up kind of reading and researching and writing a whole lot more. And then we have to cut, 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 cut to what we think people can tolerate on a Sunday. And, uh, and so, you know, I have a whole lot more to say uh, about all this stuff, including in a, maybe in particular, uh, I, there's a, a whole lot to say about this image of fire that is brought in. We, of course, associate fire with hell. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons I'd kind of been poking into it. But, uh, you know, this passage earlier, <coughs> excuse me, um, starting, you know, in verse uh, 11 and 12, it says, your own breath will turn to fire and consume you. Your people will be burned up completely and thorn bushes, like thorn bushes cut down and tossed in a fire. So he's saying, okay, when this fire comes, the Assyrians are, are going to be destroyed. Um, but then he asks this question that I actually think is really kind of helpful. He says, the sinners in Jerusalem shake with fear, right? So it's not just the Assyrians who are nervous. It's actually also, as you pointed out earlier, it's those in Israel who also are have something to kind of be nervous about. He says that the, the terror ceases the godless. Who can live with this devouring fire, they cry. Who can survive this all-consuming fire? And and I, the, the image that is used so often throughout scriptures is actually this refining fire, right? And a lot of us recognize that, the you know, refiner's fire. We you know, recognize that, of course, from Handel's Messiah. Um, but that comes out of uh, of Malachi, mm-hmm. that he's he's purifying silver. And, of course, the way that you purify silver or gold is you, you put it in the fire. You heat it up. And in that place, the the you know the, what is marring, impurifying the silver or the gold or whatever you're 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 refining, gets burned away. It can't handle these hot temperatures. So then it says, "Well, who can survive?" And it's an interesting thing. It says, "Okay, what what is the gold, as distinguished from the dross? Uh, what is that? Well, it's those who are honest and fair, who refuse to profit by fraud, who stay far away from bribes." who refuse to listen to those who plot murder. And I like this one, who shut their eyes to all enticement to do wrong. Hmm. It's not just that they don't do wrong. It's they don't even watch the enticements. They, they, they just, I'm, I'm not even going to allow myself to be a place to be enticed. We are going to suffer the fire as much as everybody else, right? God causes the rain to shine, uh, the rain to fall and the good and the, and the righteous and the unrighteous, the sun to shine and the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, all of us are going to experience the suffering in life. And yet the suffering can actually uh, allow kind of who we really are to emerge, right? It's going to be Isaiah who, who talks about the God refining us, not, you know, as a, as somebody who refines silver with literal fire, he says, I've tried you in a furnace of suffering, right? That's going to be later on in Isaiah. It's, it's this furnace of suffering. It's in suffering that we discover who we really are. And, and I, I, I look I think this is actually very relevant for us because there are many people who, whether it's kind of as uh, the economy is on shaky ground, as a, or we're approaching a, an election where there's just so much divisiveness, 
uh, as we're seeing social cohesion break down and people worried about rising levels of crime and perhaps violence, uh, that in fact, we may be in for a time of relative suffering in the United States. And, and that's not something to be enjoyed, but we can recognize like who can survive the fire. Actually, the people who are following Jesus, who's, who have integrity, who trust in him alone, all of that is going to come out and in fact be revealed. And so I think that's where we, we end up, um, our way to defend ourselves is to not defend ourselves. Our way to defend ourselves is to trust in God, to have integrity, and then believe that God can defend us. God will let the righteous emerge victorious. And, and I, I believe that that's true in every season, right? Though the unrighteous may seem to try it for a little while, in the long run, these things come to light. Mm. And that's the good news of God being the judge, right? God sees what people don't see. And I think that's sort of the, the trust that these people of Israel are having as they know some hard times are coming for all of them. It, it reminds me, as you say that, it reminds me of um, when we were studying through uh, Peter's words and when he says that, you know, you're going to suffer. Like, that's a given. We know that every one of us is going to suffer. That's not the choice. And that's often what we pray for is pray to escape suffering. But that's not the option. The option is, are we going to suffer for doing good or are we going to suffer for doing evil? That's the choice that we have. So. Uh, at least God can bring meaning to the the trials that we have to face, that they can serve a purpose in our lives to bring good in our lives and, and for those around us. That's right. That's right. And how many of us, we look at our lives, one of the times we really grew, it's hardly ever when we were sitting fat and happy. It's almost always when we suffered. Almost always. Those are the times that we experienced the most growth and the most new life. Mm. So. Well, I could you pray for us that we would experience some growth in new life? Please, let's pray together. Lord, whatever trials may come, I pray that you would use these things not to destroy us, but to refine us. God, I pray that truly we would become more full of you as some of these other things in the way get burned away. So God, I pray that as, as we suffer, whatever it is, however it is that we suffer, God, that we would suffer in such a way that we are purified and made more holy, made more whole. God, I pray that you would heal us even in the midst of sometimes things that hurt. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Dave. And thanks, everyone, for joining us. I look forward to joining you again tomorrow. Go in peace.